Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Gadget Flow. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am talking with Andrew Gardner, founder of Opiongo. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, pleasure to be here. So Andrew, you're a Kickstarter OG. You've done multiple campaigns on Kickstarter, so really excited to dive into uh, you know when you ran your first campaign a few years ago. Uh, now you're back with your second campaign in a completely different category. So really inspired to hear kind of your story and where it all began creating new products. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, dive into that. So I guess um, the tent is where we're, we are now. It's a, a tent that suspends between two trees, creating a flat surface. So I, it's a bit of a longer story, I suppose. But uh, I used to work for a life jacket company um, as my original job. Actually, it was a co-op position coming out of school, industrial design school. And from that job, I actually ended up launching the pen, which was a bit of a random story. It was sort of a, the polar pen was a Kickstarter campaign that I launched in 2013. It was a pen made out of a bunch of magnets that snapped together and actually took me um, out of uh, designing life jackets and full time into, <laughs> into selling this bit of a ridiculous little pen. But we were able to sell, you know, we had a, a campaign that was over 800,000 with 14,000 backers. And every year now, I go back to my old school and I talk about this project to my old industrial design program. And each year, I pick a student out of that program to go back to my old job at the Life Jacket Company for that original internship. Anyways, I picked my partner, my co-partner in the tent company to, to do the internship. I randomly picked up another job designing a military life jacket um, for my old boss, uh, just for, for a side job. And Jacob and I just happened to be at Salas at the same time that year. And we're chatting about camping and swinging in hammocks. I had a, a hammock set up in my backyard between two trees and the trees are a bit too far apart to actually string up a normal hammock. So I had my slack line set up between it and then my hammock dipping below. This is a pretty standard thing to do. Um, anyways, I was just telling him about that, and he's like, hey, I actually designed this Slackline-inspired tent that you need to check out. Anyways, um, he showed me this prototype that he may actually had made as a high school project, and it was pretty good. Uh, he set it up. We set it up. I went inside. I'm like, man, this thing is awesome. We need to do this. I had had about 12 years of experience designing soft good products at that point. And I was like, I think we can we can make this happen and, and do a really good job. So that's sort of how how the uh, the tent came about. So it wasn't my idea specifically; it's my partner's idea. And yeah, I've just 
jumped on board and, and uh, yeah, we've made it a pretty big success here, I guess. Killer, man. So let's go back to 2013 when you were creating the, the Polar Pen. I mean, what inspired the creation of that product and then what led to its amazing success? I mean, 14,000 backers on your first <laughs> campaign, you know, that's that's an incredible feat. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I think there's a few things. The landscape, obviously, of Kickstarter back in 2013 was extremely different than it is today. But I suppose, funny enough, the Polar Pen wasn't actually my first attempt at crowdfunding. I had launched a pair of sunglasses on Indiegogo um, prior to the pen, um, and it was a complete failure. So, But what happened is I fell in love with crowdfunding at that point. And the, the sunglasses were something I had been working on probably for like two years prior to even knowing about crowdfunding. And it was sort of like a last ditch effort to see if we could actually make this happen. And it didn't work. It, it was a complete bust. And I think the main reason it was a bust was, well, A, I didn't know that much about crowdfunding at the time. And B, the glasses were never specifically tailored or designed for crowdfunding. I think the pen I had done my research on crowdfunding and it wasn't as much, hey, I love this pen, I want it for myself. It was more, hey, this product could do really good on this platform. So I actually designed, I think, the Polar Pen as a product for Kickstarter and the Kickstarter community. I think that's probably, I think, one of the reasons for the biggest biggest success. A lot of people ask me, like, why was it so successful? And I think people forget that you know, Kickstarter is a community of people just like anywhere on the internet. And the same people are coming back and are looking for specific things in, in niche areas. And there were people coming back time and time again. At that time, there was people coming back for watches and there was like a ton of wallets. I figured, you know, a Pebble watch was a little bit out of my my wheelhouse and wallets were kind of a dime a dozen. So I kind of landed on a pen as being something I could do myself. Anyways, I happened to be playing with magnets the day I came up with the idea on my desk and was like, yo, this is super easy. Let's like make this thing happen. So yeah, it was it was interesting back then because Kickstarter wasn't as big, as well known as it is now. And publications were actually pretty excited about Kickstarter at the time, opposed to now when you <laughs> when you reach out to a publication and you tell them you're, you know, on Kickstarter, they're not always like super keen. Where back then they were like, what is Kickstarter? This thing's super cool and, and crowdfunding. That's such a unique idea. So people were as interested in my pen, I think, as they were just crowdfunding in general. And the, the two kind of created a perfect storm to, <laughs> to create a pretty crazy campaign around a very small product. Yeah, I think there's some fashion fascination, if you will, with magnets. You know, we just finished working on the Supercala campaign, um, which was, you know, huge success with the magnet cables for, you know, your phone charging cord. Yeah. There's just something beautiful about the way magnets work and, you know, how we get sucked into them in terms of, you know, figuratively, I guess. They're they're <laughs> inherently just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So in creating Ariel, you know, this tree tent hammock if you will what were some of the challenges that you guys have encountered when designing the product yeah right so yeah there's been tons of things i think the biggest one is is we're, we're essentially designing a one-man solo tent which traditionally is for backpackers people that are looking to be really lightweight 
but because we have quite a unique suspension system that is under tension and load, it comes with quite a bit of extra reinforcement and, and strength that you need to actually achieve what we're doing. So I think our biggest hurdle has always been trying to juggle, you know, keeping this thing as light as physically possible with keeping it as strong as physically possible. Um, so this this balance, I think, has been kind of the biggest challenge. Sort of, we want to be on the edge of everything in terms of its strength, but obviously we want to make sure it's never going to break. So, so yeah, I think that's probably been one of our bigger challenges and just, yeah, the prototyping phases. The nice thing is, is we have, do have in-house prototype capabilities. And, and one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about the tent is from a personal point of view, I just love soft goods for, for many reasons. There's no tooling involved. Um, prototyping is, you know, you're not just building something that's, you know, 3D printed and it's actually going to have a smoother surface or it's going to be stronger here. When you build something out of fabric, it is as good as that same product is going to be the final product. And I can make a prototype in a couple of days opposed to, you know, having to get tooling made or wait for something to be shipped in from here or shipped in from there. So that's been really nice to be able to just prototype things really fast and test and then, you know, do it again and test it, just keep changing it to try and make it better and better. But there's been challenges for sure, figuring out, you know, which stitch patterns to use to create the strongest systems. So in terms of preparation of crowdfunding, one, I guess, go back to 2013 and what made you find Kickstarter or know that that was the right way to launch your product? And then what sort of preparation changes have you made from launching your first campaign years ago to this one today? Right. Yeah. So I took probably, you know, I spent some time developing my page out just like I did on this campaign with the original one, but there was no pre-launch strategy. It was sort of me just sitting at a computer one day being like, um, maybe this is a good time to press go. And I pushed the button and sure enough, <laughs> you know, people just started backing it, which was crazy. There was no I had no knowledge of marketing at the time or anything. It, it was one of those, I think, you know, success stories that were truly just, you know, an entrepreneur that had an idea and with not a whole lot of knowledge and just went out and, and did it and, and luckily were successful. This time around, we obviously put a lot more energy into to a bit of a pre pre-marketing campaign where we set up our social accounts early and tried to get you know a mailing list together so that when we did hit it we had we had a little bit of momentum right away but at the same time i think what crowdfunding is best used for is to just test your product and not put so so much energy into you know marketing up front um i think it's sort of see what the see if this is a good product or not, and if you should keep pursuing it. So I think that's sort of how I approached both campaigns. This one, I just had a bit more knowledge of the of what needed to be done. And to be honest, there was just a lot more research available um, or information available to me this second time around. Prior to that, there was no, there was no information. There was no agencies that had any idea how to market a Kickstarter campaign. I did contact uh, an agency for my Polar Pen campaign, the first one, 
and I gave them some money to try and do some marketing. And they were, it was a complete flop. They had no idea how to deal with a product that was only in pre-launch where you couldn't actually a send it out or give people like, you know, legitimate like prices or anything like that in terms of what they would retail for after the campaign. And so they were just, it was just a confusing thing, but now there's people that clearly like you guys, and there's people that specialize in crowdfunding. It's a known thing. And there's, known information that you can use to, to help you be more successful. Yeah, man. So in terms of the prep work on the Kickstarter campaign and then the launch, you know, I know right now you guys are running traffic for yourselves. How are you going about deciding on where to find your target market and audience given the way the world is today? Yeah. So we've been as active as we can on on reddit and kind of some of the facebook forums and stuff and i think most of our traction has actually come from those areas reddit is uh it's a beautiful and scary place where you'll get a lot of the best information you can get your your product in front of a ton of eyes but you also get your product in front of the most critical eyes so i think i think we've tried to hit that and be as honest as we can with like what we're trying to do here I think it's cool too, because I do believe we have a very unique approach to the product that we're actually delivering here, where we're creating a kind of a hammock and there's a huge hammocking community of campers. This is a, a big thing now to get off the ground and use hammocks between two trees for camping. But ours provides a, you know, a flat, stable surface, which is very unique and it's different. And it comes with some criticism, obviously, because it's different. But I think the community in general, it's just like, wow, this is a, a very, you know, new approach, innovative approach. And I think people are just genuinely excited to try it out and see if it's going to live up to the hype that we're trying to give it. And I genuinely do believe it is. I think the product actually is going to be better than what people think. Like the stability, it's a, it's a unique product. It is really cool. And the first time you get into it, it is it is a weird sensation where you just start like, huh, this is not like a hammock. You know, you, you can walk back into it um, and it's just, it's stable. So, you know, if you're trying to get into a hammock, you kind of have to hold it and like slide yourself sort of into it. But this, you can just like back up into it and drop in, in and it's, uh, it's, it's really unique. So I think the communities have, have accepted us and I think we've got a lot of traction through that. Can't remember if that was a question you asked, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, the, the feedback that you've gotten, I mean, one with your first campaign and 14,000 backers, I'm sure there was a lot of opinions. How have you gone about managing those, you know, backers from then until now, seven years of, you know, managing a community there? And in terms of now with the new launch of the Ariel campaign, you know, how are they being involved in the process? Yeah, so funny enough, I haven't necessarily done a ton of cross-marketing uh, between the two products just because they are in such different worlds. Yeah, I had, uh, funny enough, obviously, as a Kickstarter, successful Kickstarter, you get tons of people asking to cross-promote, cross-promote, cross-promote. And I have learned my lesson. I had a few friends that had products outside of the pen world, and I helped them promote through my my old a community and uh, it took a big backlash of people being like this has nothing to do with magnets has nothing to do with pens what are you doing so i've been a bit leery to just kind of blatantly plug a product to that community so i haven't necessarily done that 
But yeah, we have a great community over on the polar pen side. Um, yeah, we still sell pens, you know, six years later. I, we've updated the product a little bit here and there. Um, but for the most part, it's still the same pen and, and we just keep selling them. Um, yeah, people have been good. It was a crazy, <laughs> crazy campaign trying to deal with 14,000 people being, being like one guy, which is funny enough now that we, we've hit um, about 500 backers now on the aerial campaign. And I'm actually debating, I think this is probably enough. It, we've, we've gone way past our expectations, definitely in the current climate with um, coronavirus. We were worried that it was even going to, you know, we were even going to meet our, our funding goal. So we've, we've gone well past that at like 900% funded or something right now. I think this amount of backers is actually kind of a nice, you know, community of people that I, um, you know, we can get the product out to. They can help us, you know, find anything that might be wrong with it. We can fix any of those problems if there are for whatever reason. And it, it would just be a nice sample size um, to start with. So I, my, I'm actually looking at even potentially slowing down some of my marketing to not get too much bigger because I know all the problems <laughs> dealing with a mass amount of people all at once that all want their product all on the same day. You know, it's different once you transition into normal sales where, you know, sales come in and then you fill the product and then those, those essentially customers are happy and then you get new customers and, you, you know, you have a more of an even, even transition. Um, anyways, I don't know if that was good, but yeah, no, I mean, in terms of, you know, switching gears a little bit in terms of learning process, now that you've run campaigns, you know, over the last seven years, I can say, you know, what have you learned throughout the whole process that you can, you know, distill down to other entrepreneurs or startup founders that are looking to launch their innovation using Kickstarter as a means of validating their idea? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I would say, you know, keep things simple and have good design. I'm a, I'm an industrial designer. So obviously design is my, my main focus. Um, a marketer might say, you know, you need good marketing, but I think if you have a good product, a well thought out, a product that is, is achievable to be made and, and simple enough to make, I think that's the best thing that you can do is you know people often ask me what was the secret secret recipe like what and and i think it's i just really worked on my product to to make it as sleek and and minimal and kind of clean both in the tent and the pen all the focus was on the product and i hope the product's good enough as long as i take good photos of it and make a nice video hopefully the product will just sell itself so as long as you have a good product i think the rest of the work becomes a lot easier yeah, and I think that's sound advice for everyone looking out there is to not overcomplicate these products that they're creating. I mean, the simplest innovations are usually the best. I mean, I think we were running a campaign, Bunch of Balloons, back then in 2013 when you were launching yours and just a yeah. very simple innovation where people are like, I get it. I need it now. You know, it makes sense. Quick and easy video. Explain the problem. Here's the solution. Go buy it now. Exactly, exactly. So what have been some of your bigger surprises, I guess, of the first campaign and then of your current campaign? Oh, bigger surprises. Well, this campaign, the biggest surprise was that, you know, <laughs> in the world of COVID, that people are still, you know, willing to purchase a product like this. Um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know what my biggest surprises would be. I try and, you know, allow as few surprises as possible because <laughs> I need, to, I want to know, I want to know what the results are going to be before I get the results. But, you know, I think just, just that people are willing to help out designers and, and people coming to them with a genuine product um, that people are just willing to back you and help you and support you and, and give you advice. And, and most people are super friendly and super nice and just want to help you out. And I think that's what I love about Kickstarter and crowdfunding projects. And I think that's the thing I'm probably most surprised that people are just so keen to, to give you help and advice. Yeah, it is a quite unique community of, of giving and, you know, offering up support, especially for the creators like yourself out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Andrew, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Sure. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? <laughs> I guess I don't consider myself overly employable by other people. That's probably why. But no, I, it was probably the... Uh, Polar Pen pulled me out of, of working a standard job, and essentially, I uh, had launched this campaign, and, and it had over a hundred thousand dollars worth of funding. I had just hired somebody, actually, and was paying them more money I was making at my current job that I was still working at. And I went to the the owner of the company. I was like, I I have to leave because I, I randomly launched this pen. So that actually is probably what took me into. Uh, you know, running my own business. But I think what I love about it and why I continue to do it is I love more than just industrial design. I enjoy, you know, the marketing aspect of it and the finance aspect of it and the sales aspect and the customer service. And I just, I, it's hard for me to ever think about going back to a job where I might be put into just one slot. Um, I need to have my fingers in it all now. <laughs> I get it. So if you could go camping with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Yeah, I think I would have to say my great great grandfather. He started a business in like 1873. So that's like what almost 150 years ago. And he was doing sheet metal products. So like an industrial designer before, you know, the word industrial design had even probably been coined, but they were making wheelbarrows and well pumps and and just like all sorts of really cool small unique like sheet metal products. Anyways, the business is still around today. So that's a pretty amazing testament for a entrepreneur. What would be your first question? Yeah. How did you, how did you do it? How, how did you do it at the beginning? That would have been the, the end of the industrial revolution. You know, just how did you come up with your different ideas? There's a whole book that I have of all the like products that they had. They had a huge lineup of, of different products and like i i run like a pen company that has three pens now a tent company that has one product and you know that's enough for me to to inventory and manage <laughs> absolutely couldn't imagine, couldn't imagine any uh any book you would recommend to our listeners well i don't know if it's the world's greatest book but the the four hour work week uh I, I read that book. I, I actually won the Shopify Build a Business competition back in 2014. And uh, one of the mentors they hooked me up with was Tim Ferriss. So just before meeting Tim Ferriss, I actually ended up reading his book, um, which I think might now be a little bit out of date, but back then was still very relevant. And it actually did, did uh, 
guide my path for for how I set up the pen business. I don't know if this is worth going into, but funny funny enough, I actually can't sell my pens in Canada, for, which is a long story that I, maybe I'll save you right now. But it forced me to outsource a lot of my, um, well, the manufacturing, the, the, the um, distribution and stuff of it. And I think that book really helped me kind of see how you can run a business literally just from home and outsource most of the work. Um, which I didn't necessarily want to do, but I was sort of forced into doing. Interesting. Um, where do you see yourself in five years, Andrew? Camping out in the woods. Absolutely. All right. Well, last question, Andrew, and uh, I'm excited to hear your answer on this one just because you've run a couple campaigns. So what does the future of crowdfunding look like? Yeah, I, uh, I believe it won't change that much. It might change names from Indiegogo to GoFundMe to kickstarter like we might see new new names for those over the years but i think the idea of uh some uh, uh, essentially an unknown you know person or company going directly to the end user for their products or their idea isn't going away anytime soon pitching products to banks and you know trying to get money from vcs and stuff you know that's challenging and doesn't lend itself to everybody's skill set i think the best way is just get an idea, put it out there, and see if you can get it directly into the hands of the end user without having to deal with any middlemen. Phone device. Well, Andrew, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where they should go, and why they should check you out. Yeah, so we just launched the Aerial A1 on Kickstarter. It is the best way to camp. It's a flat, comfortable surface, gets you off the ground, out of the mud. And we believe it's going to be the future of camping. So uh, check it out at Kickstarter. Awesome. Well, audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to the campaign, and everything else we talked about today. And, of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Product Type. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.